Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Sonia Bestelich and I love a chat, so when she asked me on her podcast, chat about children, I couldn't resist because I know our last conversation took plenty of interesting turns. Sonia is a children's author, podcaster, speaker and writer and founder of Talking Heads Speech Pathology Clinics in Sydney. She's an advocate for honouring mothers and celebrating children and, well, we have a really long conversation about everything. Single motherhood, pushing back against expectations and the art of play. We decided to put it on both of our platforms so you can enjoy it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Danny V, it has been a while since we last caught up and it was actually in our last podcast recording, our crossover, wasn't it? It was. I mean, we do crossover in socials as you do, but this is Uh, It's been a long time since we've actually had a conversation. So, yeah, it's been a while. I still remember it, though, very clearly, which is funny. Yeah, like it was yesterday. And in reflection, you know, prepping to have a chat with you, it dawned on me how much has actually changed for both of us since our last chat, and which is why before pressing record, I'm like, Danny, we need, you know, an updated intro of, (laughs) of you and even myself. It's kind of this... I find it like this element of trying to keep up with yourself and how you communicate where you're at, because I've found anyway, in the last couple of years, sure, some things have gone slowly, but there's certainly, you know, elements that have feel really quick and fast. Mm. And I think, you know, when I speak to a lot of people that, that aspect of, um, your evolution and your growth. It's been like this big growth spurt for a lot of people. (laughs) I mean, how would you describe the last couple of years? Yeah, um, a lot of hard work, I guess. And sometimes you don't look up to see the things you need to celebrate. And we were talking about this off air that, you know, getting a publishing deal is obviously been a massive bucket list dream um, for me to have. But because it was so important, I wanted to work really, really hard. And I have tried to do that the whole way, you know, and then so when the book comes out, I think this is the hardest, because you're trying to get people to care about your book, you're trying to talk about your book, and then you think, wow, is it too much? Am I doing too much at one go? But it's, it's, you know, the unanswered question and publicity is so complex. And so I feel like I've only had you know, I think two opportunities where I've really been able to just get my head out of the work and look up and go, oh, wow, like this is this is something I really want to celebrate and that I've always wanted. And so the first moment of that celebration was um, when I got the publishing deal. And so when I signed the contract, I was like, okay, I took a moment, got really excited about that and, you know, rang all the important people to tell. And then yeah. uh, it's funny because you don't realise that you're just doing the grind until um, you look up 
And the last time I did that was about a week ago when I signed um, 250 books at Booktopia. I walked into this room where I really didn't feel like I belonged. You know, there's all these amazing people on the wall. I'm like, oh, I don't think I belong here. And um, I just took a moment to go, I'm just going to take a moment here to kind of celebrate this moment. Um, and I'd realized I hadn't really done that. So it's interesting about trying to balance, um, you know, the hard work that you need to do for anything that you care about, but then taking time to celebrate those things as well. And I think we have a really strange culture in Australia where it feels weird to celebrate your achievements. And I don't necessarily believe that because I think everyone should celebrate everything. Like I fully believe and I'll support everyone celebrating everything about their achievements. But I feel like that's not how everybody feels. (laughs) Yeah, and I know exactly what you mean. And you've brought up a lot even in that snippet, Mm. Danny. And That's enough for a whole interview, Sonia. (laughs) That's it, done, finished. But first up, congrats. And the book you're referring to is My Extraordinary Mum. Uh, which is, you know, where you went to sign those 250 Victopia (laughs) copies, which is, you know, an awesome children's book. So congrats, because that's a huge, huge achievement. And I know that there are more books in the pipelines. um, And feel free to, you know, share more about those in our (laughs) chat today. Um, But, you know, I, I, I really like that, that reflection and your point on celebration, because, um, we're going to talk a bit about mums today. You know, that's one of the things we're doing is we're exploring, you know, mothers and the identity of mothers and that element of, um, you know, just doing. And I talk about this a lot, mm. obviously, with all the, you know, Flourish for Mums self-care um, workshops and all the work that goes with it. Um, there is so much that goes into you know, what are we doing and what are we being? And where's yeah. the focus? Is it on being a human doing or a human being? And so yeah. Yeah. I love oh, that you I love bring that. Up. I do too much human doing. <laughs> That's it. And I asked that question, are you a human doing mm. um, or are you human being? And it really gets people thinking. It does. Particularly mums because we have so much on that list. And so it's about learning, you know, what's the to-do list that, you know, I really need to focus on, but primarily what's my to be like, what is my Mm. focus? Is it to be present? Is it to be grounded? Is it to be celebratory? Is it to be, and when you've got that be focus, the to-dos just don't seem as important. They're like, yes, I'm going to get to that, but my priority is my to be. Mm. Um, And the celebration, that's something I love. Like I'm totally on the same page with you (laughs) on celebrating um, and I'm going to, I'd love to unpick that a little more in our chat today um, as to how, how to practice that. And I call it celebration activation because it's something that I do very intentionally every day mm. as a practice. Yeah, and, and it's feel, quite powerful. It is. It's very powerful. And I feel very comfortable celebrating other people. So, you know, within my podcast, I'm, I'm so comfortable celebrating. Someone's got a new book. Great. Let's give it a shout out. Let's talk on the pod. Let's put it on socials. You know, let's go to the book launch. But there's a kind of a discomfort when you're doing it for yourself. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, that you know there's work to be done when you have a book come out and you you have to publicise it or no one's going to know it exists. Yep. Um, but there's, the, I guess, that feeling of, of, yeah, discomfort and nervousness that am I doing it right? Am I doing it too much, too less? I don't know if anyone has the answers. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think, and you touched on it before, you touched on that element of um, imposter syndrome, mm. you know, walking in and going, yeah. oh, look at all these. And, you know, even though it wasn't this, um, you know, you weren't being down on yourself, but it was more about, you know, is this where I belong? And it's it's coming into a, a new identity um, as a published author and it's it's adjusting to that. Yeah, it was uh, overwhelming, and- I think, because I'd never seen so many of my books in one place. And then, of course, my brain went celebrate for one minute and then my brain quickly kicked into gear and like, oh, no, I have to make sure everyone buys a copy from Booktopia. They've they've taken a punt and bought 250. How do I make sure 250 gets sold? You know, so my yes. brain never allows me to just lean into that celebratory, um, you know, vibe for very long. It's always like, okay, what next? How do I have to do? And and that's about being a human doing. Is that what you called it? A human doing? That's it. You focused <laughs> on the human doing rather than the yeah, human being. Yeah, and I really do need to focus on the human being. I mean, even when you're a parent, there's so many things you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. And then you look back, I mean, my son's about to turn 10 years old. And I said to him, I can't believe I've known you for a decade. And then you can't help thinking, you know, have I done enough? Have I been present enough? Have we spent enough time together? Because, you know, the next 10 years, he's going to be an adult, you know, yep. and all those thoughts are really terrifying. And so I think it's hard. I find, I think the most difficult thing for me in parenting, I find it hard to balance the to doing to the to the being and the being present because I am a doer. I think I get this, you know, I think it's a family trait. <laughs> you just get everything done and you, you know, smash it all. But if you do that too much, and I know I'm guilty of it, you leave little space for the being. So it's something I need to continually work on and improve, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always, there's always that element of first up awareness, isn't, isn't there? Mm. It's just, you know, someone will say something or there'll be that, that seed planted and then you'll go right like what's well what's next from here i've noticed this with myself yeah and where am i at right now and what where do i want to be in terms of that feeling like you talked about like not feeling present or what does presence feel like and what mm. what does that look like yeah um so with with motherhood let, let's let's launch into that a little uh danny you mentioned you've got your son about to turn 10 same. My son's going to turn <laughs> ten soon, and and Scary my daughter's. Age, I think. Oh. oh, look, my daughters are. Um, well, at the moment they're nine, ten, eleven, mm-hmm. and so my son's going to turn ten soon. My daughter's going to turn twelve soon. It's just, mm, yeah, it, it is a bit of a, yeah, you know, a freak out moment. But when when uh, looking at my extraordinary mum, let's go back to your book. What was the inspiration behind that? Because you have your own motherhood experience you know entwined in there tell us more about it yeah I think it was twofold um the first one was when I started having conversations with my kids about you know what I'd done before I had them and they couldn't believe all the things I'd done they couldn't believe that I was in a band they couldn't believe that I traveled Europe on my own and I thought wow like I live with these people I see them more than I see anybody else in my world and they don't even know the full picture of who I am. They they know me as their mother. And, you know, obviously when you're a mother, your social life changes <laughs> and, you know, lots of things change and they see a very different version of you. And it's not a better or a worse version. It's just not the whole you. And so I thought, I wonder if you could write a book where it opened up those conversations where you could really get to know, you know, your parent as a whole, you know, not just that little piece that you've been given. And I find that with grandparents as well. You know, you just meet your grandparents when they're of a particular age. 
and it's never particularly young and you miss out on who they were before that and then you pick up these you know black and white pictures or whatever of your grandparents like wow you know they look so different to the perception that i've had of them as being you know my grandparents and of course the second and really powerful reason for writing this book for me was the portrayal of mothers in mainstream media you know even really good cartoons that you enjoy they still really lean into that idea of either mum being really sensible mum being the bringer of band-aids mum saving the day or mum being a superwoman and i don't think we ever asked to be superwomen you know i think people get mixed up between what feminism is and what being a superwoman is and if, to me feminism is all about equality obviously and also about choice you know if you want to be a stay-at-home mum excellent do it if you want to be a career woman do it if you want to be somewhere in between fantastic it's about choices and not having those choices being made for you right and so everywhere i looked there were mothers who weren't having fun that was saved for the dads they weren't having adventures that time of their life was over and i thought well what if it's not what if you know when you have your children i think there is a breaking down of your identity because I think everything changes after that. And it's a massive responsibility. And you're, for me anyway, my hormones were everywhere and I was breastfeeding and my kids didn't sleep. And it was a real sort of breaking down. I like to see it of who I was before, but that's okay because the positive side of being able to be broken down is to be able to rebuild. And that's how I started the podcast. It was like, okay, well, who do I want to be now? What's this new version of me going to look like? And what am I going to do? And I craved conversations um, that I wasn't getting for my newborns, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. so, so I started the podcast and that's, you know, obviously just, you know, changed my life. Um, and so it was just that need to do something different. So, yeah, I just I wanted to explore those two things. And I think, you know, since then, my kids and I've had lots of conversations about who we are. And my kids, I see them really lean into their individuality. And sometimes I worry that I've done that to them too much because I'm like, oh, they're still going to have friends. They're still going to fit in. You can't help doing that as a mom. You know, as an adult, you can kind of do what you want and people will like you or not. And you're okay with that. But as a kid, I I think that's a bit harder. But they've been okay so far. Yeah. And I just wanted to start the conversation about reclaiming your identity and being more than just just a mum. A mum's a very important job, but we're not just mums. And even in headlines in newspapers, mother of two, mother of three, but businessman, sportsman, you know, all those things. And I think the narrative needs needs to change and we need to have conversations. And while I'm on this soapbox, right, ask anyone what they think about a single mother. Say name just give me five words to describe a single mother. I guarantee you, I bet you $100 <laughs> that none of them are complimentary. So instead of saying resourceful, independent, financially secure, all the words that you could say, which would obviously have to lend itself to being a single mother, you get a lot more negative words, which I'm not going to repeat because I don't want to lean into that stereotype. But there are many conversations about women and motherhood we need to continue to have. Oh, 100%. And, and, and welcome to the Talking About Motherhood platform, can I just say, um, because, yeah, the narrative does need to change and, and I find myself saying that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly around, I mean, I talk about self-care and acceptance, but within all of that, is is weaved coming back to and reclaiming you as a whole person and I often talk about 
no motherhood being an expansion mm. of who you exactly. are. Exactly all that you are and not a limiting factor you know which it seems to have been perceived and i don't know when we had to become the sensible ones the ones who schedule the ones who bring the band-aids the ones who remember to bring lunch like why why how did we take on that role yeah well uh lots of expectations (laughs) from society and culture and all the conditioning Mm. you know and if you if you go down that that path of you know the research and you look at um and i've obviously looked at lots of research but say sociologist dr rose she looks at um the universal phenomenon of of motherhood guilt yes um you know why does that exist because as mums we're not feeling like we are meeting the expectations of what makes a good mother based on societal you know, expectations and conditioning. And so there's this there's this subconscious kind of I've got to get mothering right. And I was there too, mm. right? Mm. Right at the start. I was there too. Um, got to get it right, got trying to, you know, please everyone and and make it all um, you know, in this stereotype that I'm not quite sure what it is, but mm. I'm gonna give it a whirl and get stretched in every direction yeah. and then realize it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> and even the idea of good mother, good wife, That's you know, right. there's there's kind of a bit of a repression in that because in order to Absolutely. be good and get that green tick of approval, you need to do certain things and be certain things. And I think, you know, even the word, are you a good mother, are you a good wife, I think they're really dangerous words because there's that dangerous expectation word. there. That, Everyone. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I, Everyone. I go back to, to a the old 50s golden books, you know, where you have to bring yep. your slippers to your husband when he gets home from work. Like, you know, is that a good wife? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, it gets thrown around a lot, mm. um, you know, and so and it's something that, yeah, I, I certainly tune into the wording or <laughs> the words people use, and you would mm. too, Danny, no doubt. Um, but, you know, this is where I talked about awareness before. Some of us just aren't even aware until something is said or a penny drops or whatever it is. I think we feel it, but I don't know that we always know how to articulate it. You know, I think we feel, I've always felt mother guilt. I've always felt like I had to do everything, you know, even in a career that I was in before and I was, you know, a manager, I thought I had to be a strong woman. You know, I couldn't let any emotions show. And you almost had to take on these, you know, stereotypical masculine traits because you thought, that's what I had to be to be a boss lady. It turns out that, you know, as I'm getting older, I really think that vulnerability and humour actually make you a much better leader than mm-hmm. being stoic and soldiering on, you know, and I think vulnerability is a strength, which took me a long time to learn. Yeah. And, but I've ever since, you know, I've, I've decided, I didn't decide, it accidentally happened where I was oversharing about my anxiety on a podcast and I went, mm, what would happen if I just kept that in and didn't edit it out? Because I'd never really openly spoken about it before but I think when you lean into that vulnerability it's really powerful because all of a sudden whatever it is that's owning you loses its power exactly and that's the golden thread of humanity Mm. that's the golden thread of humanity that's the human connection and in a lot of ways um you know I I feel like I'm when I work with various mums, particularly, I feel like I'm retraining their humanness. Mm. You know, just coming back to being okay with being a human and honoring that 
and it's okay to have a range of emotions. Guilt is one of them, but you know, what do you want to do with that? Yeah. Because it's not always warranted a lot of the time and yeah. it's not good for you no, either. It's not. So and I've never experienced anything like that. You know, it's not yeah. something that I thought oh, I'm going to experience mother guilt. It's just something that I still experience and you think, oh, like, where does this come from? You know, and it's always about, am I good enough? Have I done enough? And it's, it's an impossible, you can't even think about it. You know, it's impossible. You've just got to step back and I try and do this and think, I have a really good relationship with my kids. I can talk to them about anything. They seem to enjoy being around me. <laughs> they're good, they, you know, they're, they're, I don't want to say good kids, but, you know, they're kids who enjoy school and don't get themselves in trouble. So I think something must be going right. <laughs> It's not yeah. perfect by any means, but yeah, you know, you've just got to step back and go, I'm not doing too much of a horrible job. It's okay. <laughs> totally. And you touched, you touched on a, um, I think my post from today on LinkedIn, the challenge is not to be perfect. It is to be whole. Yeah. And the superwoman thing, like we never asked for that, you know, and I feel like being a mother and a woman has gone from, you know, being so repressed where you can't vote and we're not meant to enjoy sex it's meant to be for the man or procreation or whatever and then we've swung this pendulum going okay no 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 we can do everything and i'm not saying we can't but it's hard and may and i don't want to do everything anymore i've decided that i I don't even want to do everything um you shouldn't be expected to do everything and then we sort of went to this superwoman thing who could you know do the housework and have a career and bring up kids and bake cookies and be a wonderful everything and still be sexually amazing it's like you can't do all that stuff because you're too tired you know yep and and that weight of all that expectation and so there's got to be a happy medium where we don't have to do everything we get to make our own choices feminism is still really important we get to not only spend time with our kids but spend time doing things that we love as well like there has to be that balance from the repressed you know <laughs> women who couldn't vote to let's do everything. We don't want to do everything. We never asked for that. We never asked to do everything, you know? And I, whenever someone says, oh, superwoman, I really push back on that. I don't want to be a superwoman. I don't, I don't want to do that. I just mm. want to be a person who's happened to have children. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. And, and I think, you know, the, the way as you're speaking, the way that I feel that, that balance or the medium is, is really about as individuals just tuning into ourselves. Yeah. You know, what does everything mean for me? What does success yeah. mean for me? What does, um, you know, what what does a, a, a fulfilling life mean for me? Yeah, exactly. And it's just once you have those moments, and this is this is part of the the being, not the doing. Mm. So when you're in that more of a state of being, and it doesn't mean for hours meditating, even <laughs> just small, you know, minutes with a cup of tea, quite honestly, you know, yeah. even when the kettle's boiling, this is stuff I do. I'll mm. turn on the kettle. It goes for just under three minutes. I, I, I'll switch into being. I'll either mm-hmm. do some breathing or I'll do some gratitude or like this. So those being moments, but anyway, coming back to it, but when you can't, when you come into um, tuning into yourself and go, well, what's really important for me? Mm. You know, what's that, that two or three words? You know, is it to live a beautiful life? Okay, great. Well, what does it mean for you? And that's where your celebration comes in. That's where you just come back to your go-to what I call self-mission statement. Yeah. You know, I love that I'll, self-mission statement. Mm. Yeah. I want to live today. Um, or for me at the moment, I, I want to live my life with uncompromising radiance. Mm-hmm. 
what does that mean for me? Well, that has my own little definition as to what that looks like and feels like, but that's what I come back to. Mm. And the beauty is it's so different for everyone. So you could say to someone, you know, do you have everything? Do you feel like you're doing everything? They'll say yes. And it could be that, you know, they they are a stay-at-home mum and they're absolutely, that's everything for them. And they're they're in that bliss state. That's that's what they want. And that's and about that's, choice. That's, you know, we should be allowed it. to do, and I don't want to even want to say the word allowed, but you know, we should be able to make our choices, you know, and for mm. so long they've been made for us. And even in subtle ways, you know, like I think I think we've been over the years repressed in so many ways we don't even under like we don't even realize it you know and I, I touched on you know pleasure before and sex and I always think that you know that's always been something that you know you don't talk about a lot you know as a woman because it's not something that you talk about you know it's not something and even in sex education you know we're taught the very practical biological factors but no one's ever talks about the pleasure component of it that might be awkward at school sure but it's still a biological aspect and it's always about baby making and avoiding getting pregnant and of course all the avoiding of getting pregnant is you know it comes a lot down to the responsibility of the of the woman a lot of the time Mm, mm, absolutely so it's that acceptance isn't it it's kind of that acceptance of this is humanness, this is life, and what does enjoying life look like for you? And whatever it is, cast the judgment aside and just let's celebrate it. Oh, we're yeah, coming back yeah. to the celebration. And we all have to do it together, oh. you know. We all have to yeah. do it together and we all have to remind each other, you know. And I think I think sometimes, you know, there's that thing where you have your friends over and you have to go, oh, my house has to be perfectly clean and I have to you know make the best dinner and the kids have to be beautifully dressed and i think i think sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves and i don't know how to stop that i'm not really a baker of goods i i make my kids cakes once a year and i spend you know hours and hours doing that and they end up looking okay on instagram just don't look at them too closely in real life but i'm not a natural kind of baker you know and so you try and push back on those things. But, you know, if I know I'm having people over, it's like, oh, I've got to clean the house. Like, why? Why do I feel that pressure to make things look like different to what they actually are? You know, like yes, if you have two yes. kids of a particular age, there's going to be their stuff around all the time. But, Much. you know, when you have someone come over, it's like, quick, hide it. And, you know, I think we're all guilty of that. And I think that's okay sometimes as long as you don't feel like you have to present this perfect person i'd much rather walk into my friend's house knowing they don't have it all together <laughs> than me thinking and oh everyone has it together except for me <laughs> absolutely but that's the cool thing like if you walked into your friend's house and there was stuff all over the place i don't even think you'd blink twice you just go this is normal this, this is, is just life. this is it this is normal yeah. family life and wouldn't even cross your mind Mm. it's it's more about how we're feeling about it ourselves oh my gosh they're going to notice that you know there's dust on that and there's (laughs) this and you know it's more us than what we're telling ourselves but yeah it's the pressure we put on ourselves I think can be so damaging but then again like where does that pressure come from you know and that's the question that I have and I think you know a lot of expectations have been put on particularly mothers I don't know why but particularly mothers to do all these things, you know, and, and now, you know, we also not only have to, you know, there's this meme going around that says you have to 
have a career like you don't have kids and have kids like you don't have a career and you just have to do it. And a lot of that is just a facade. And, you know, a lot of the women that I speak to, you know, that's not, we can't do that. And we shouldn't have to be expected to do that. And, you know, when you have these real conversations with women, um, we're finding it very, very difficult to do all of those things. Yep. And it's, you know what it is, and and it's it takes this chipping away um, that collectively, if we can help each other with permission slips, yeah, I mean that metaphorically, yeah, absolutely. but the permission slips, um, that's one of the greatest gifts that we can really give is allowing that permission for an individual, just particularly mums, to just feel like themselves and that it's okay yep. to be who they are. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's quite, it's quite moving when, you know, when you're with particularly, you know, a larger group of, of women and, and more recently I've been doing um, various events with women where I, you know, I talk about self-care, but I really talk about coming back and connecting to you, mm. um, and your whole self and re, as you said, as reclaiming that, um, and it's quite astounding how many tears flow when you just give women particularly and mothers especially, just give that permission to say it's okay to include yourself. It's okay to love yourself, actually. Yeah. It's actually more than okay. Um, it's it's really quite moving when when you are, you know are with a large group of women. Um, and to have that feeling and tune into that feeling of the group where they're they're shifting, they're releasing so much guilt. You know, they're they're holding it all together as best they can. And then there's just there's just tears. There's mm. tears of just, oh my gosh, phew. You know, it's okay to be me. And and a, so much energy, Danny, so much energy yeah. goes into trying to hold it together, trying yeah, to wear absolutely. the mask, trying to hold the hats. Absolutely. And I think we've had that culture of soldiering on. You know, I think that has been a little bit dismantled since COVID because we have to stay at home now when we're sick. But, you know, the ad of, oh, just take this this thing and you'll be fine and you've got to soldier on. And I feel like that's been not only when you're physically sick, but that's been, you know, when your mental health hasn't been great, that's been as a, as a mother, you've just got to keep soldiering on and you can't show weakness. And I, I really push back against that soldiering on culture because eventually, you know, as I think Brene Brown says, your body keeps count or score, you know, your body keeps score. And, and I know that, you know, I know if I overcommit, which is one of my worst qualities that I have, yeah. um, or if things, you know, pile up on me, I can feel the anxiety and I can keep pushing it away and pushing it away and pushing it away. That's great. It's always going to come back and get me, you know, and I'm much better to stop at that point before it gets me and slow down or do whatever it is I have to do to sort of, instead of pushing it back, sort of draw it in almost, yes. you know, I go, okay, yeah, yes. I can feel you coming for me. Let's deal with this. But yep. your, your body keeps score. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, if, if you say you're not going to feel this particular thing right now, you've come back twice as hard. Totally. <laughs> you've, and you've reminded me of, um, uh, an, another book, I don't know if you know Dr. Jeffrey Rediger, um, he wrote a book called Cured, but he talks about the four pillars of health, um, one being healing your immune system, two being healing your nutrition, three, healing your stress response, and four, 
healing your identity. Oh, wow. I love that. It's really powerful. And, you know, he talks about when you heal your identity, you wake up to a life that you actually want to live. Oh, wow. Um, Because when you're doing that, um, that has, you know, astonishingly astonishingly positive effects on Mm. the physical body. And when you're in the opposite, it has that opposite. Illness happens in the body. And often we wait for illness and then go, oh, we better do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, when you wake up to, you know, as we said, kind of what fulfills you. And I know we Mm. touched on this in our last podcast episode, you know, do you want a day that's full or a day that's fulfilling? And when you're, when you're focused on that fulfilling, when you've got that deep level of fulfillment, you've got a really like expansive reservoir Mm. of well-being, of health, of love. And then that fills you. It's a very different kind of state to be operating from it is and you do you know going back to the identity healing which i love i love actually articulating that in that way but i really like the idea of that because we've all felt in our lives times where we've had to not be ourselves first thing i think that happens at school you know you have to sort of fit into this box to fit in and not stand out too much and not be this not be that and i feel school when i went maybe it's different now but it was very stifling in that way And, you know, haven't you felt in particular situations or a particular relationship where you just can't be yourself? And once you release yourself from whatever that situation is, there's never a better feeling than just being able to like yourself and accepting the fact that not everyone's going to like you. And you know what? That's okay. If everyone dislikes me, I should probably do some reflection, right? (laughs) Self-reflection is good. But if if, if all the people you love love you back and there's a couple of people who don't like you for whatever reason, that's okay. We can't all, you know, vibe with everyone we meet. That's fine. And that acceptance of that. But being able to really lean into who you are and what I like to say, be unapologetically yourself is so incredibly freeing. And I've been feeling that over the last 12 months or so of just being able to be exactly who I am not a perfect person but just that person I am and then surrounding yourself with people who enjoy that person and then allowing those people to be whoever they are too you know I just I I just don't think there's a, a better experience than being able to sit with everyone being exactly who you are you know and I think the relationship I I went into was like you just never try and change who you are that's that's not not an option it's non-negotiable you know you don't go into this relationship and start you know trying to adjust (laughs) or change people you just are who you are and if if you decide you don't like that anymore well maybe it's not the right relationship to be in yep yep that's right and that's a that's a beautiful thing to just come back to um and there's again that element of the relationship you have with yourself isn't there um, you know, have that Absolutely. strong relationship, have the that self-love and know who you are. And I think when you have nurtured knowing who you are and also accepting that you are always evolving and you are always growing. So yeah. you may have had a, a a belief system about something three years ago that today you've gone, hmm, actually, no, no. That doesn't work for me anymore and be okay with that because yeah, sometimes absolutely. I feel people can be so ingrained. Stuck. They're like, yeah. I've believed this since the 80s and so I can't change. How could mm. I possibly change that viewpoint? So, you know, when you when you are in that space of um, 
receptivity, I call it, you know, you're open, you're receptive to just going, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm loving it, I'm embracing who I am and yeah. I'm evolving because that's what we do as humans. Absolutely. That's why I'm here. And I think the most um, interesting people have evolved in ways that, you know, are quite significant. You know, they've been down one path and it was the right path for them at the time and then they've changed gear and gone, actually, I don't believe any of that or I don't lean into any of that at all. Like, I think that's really powerful and I think we need to keep listening to the world. We need to keep learning and growing because if you think you know everything at 30, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we might have a problem. Um, so I think, you know, I really I see the strength and the power in going, yeah, I used to think that, but however, after this many experiences and after reading a bit of this or listening to this I now have a different viewpoint like how powerful is that and how accepting is is that of you know you continually evolving and I always find it funny that you know YA novels are coming of age you know coming mm. of age when you're 17 or whatever I always think you're coming of age you know That's you're always coming of age because hopefully we're always learning and growing and it doesn't say we're not going to make mistakes we do um, but continuing to learn and grow for them, from them, I think is a really powerful thing. It's funny um, about the identity healing. I think, I think that's always been something that I've had to constantly remind myself to do, you know, be yourself. And it's hard because I think normally, you know, I, th I, d I think it's a usual thing as human beings. We try and sort of fit into where we are because, you know, community is really important to us and relationships are really important to us. And it's funny that um, I think when I was maybe 29 or something, or I got a, a tattoo, I think I was 27, I got a tattoo that said, um, to thine own self be true. And so my mum in my extraordinary mum book also has that tattoo because I just wanted to bring that really important message of, you know, when you're not being true to yourself, you know, you, you could yes. be in a relationship or a job or a situation and you might be continuing to do that every day but there's something inside you that knows that you're not being true to yourself and I think I needed it sort of yep. inked into my skin to be that constant reminder and then find the courage which is is often very hard to find find the courage to make the decisions and sometimes they're very hard decisions to go I need to get myself out of x situation because I'm not feeling like that whole self and I'm not being true to every part of myself. And it takes courage to do that, I think. You know, it's kind of easy just to continue to go with the flow, but when you suddenly disrupt your life, there are consequences for that. It's hard and it takes courage. Even if that choice ends up being better for you, it's not without those consequences. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I would say without the growth like and yeah. it's 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 really the growth that comes with it courage is the big one too obviously um because change can be really frightening um and 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 I do kind of reference women again and particularly mums you know when when you've got that nurture focus of you're in this pattern of putting mm. everyone else's needs first. Yeah. The sacrifice, you know, the motherhood, and, yep. motherhood comes with sacrifice and sacrificing so you're last. You know, and if you're superwoman, you're doing everything for everybody else and you're never doing anything for yourself. And then we, we ask questions, oh, why are so many women suffering postnatal depression and anxiety and, you know, all these things? You know, it's, it's, 
It's a pretty obvious mm. question. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd I'd love that that discussion um, of identity health to come into into yeah, play absolutely. more and more and more, particularly yeah. for for women about to enter motherhood. Because mm-hmm. um, I know for me, it there was there was no talk about much apart from you know birth plan, nursery ready, you know um, breastfeeding is best, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And you know, I just had no idea no. what I was about to go you into. Have any idea? And then when you, you know, I suffered with my son after you know having him like pretty bad postnatal anxiety. And although I knew it existed, I hadn't really heard many people talk about it or yeah. it been any articles that I'd read or any you know many books. I think now that's changing, but it was a very scary time and. You know, I was able to, you know, with my experience with anxiety, I was able to go and seek help. But I thought, how many women are unable to seek help because they don't have the capacity or they aren't able to do that or they, they, they feel like something's wrong with them? You know, and I think, you know, when you become a mother, you there's this thing to prove that I've got this, you know, I've, I've got that. And everyone asks you the first question, no one says, you know, how are you feeling? How are you? Can I make you a lasagna? Right? Yeah, that's Everyone's right. like, how much are they sleeping? Like, they're a baby. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so they, yeah, those questions are never sort of about, about you and your well-being. You know, they're about, is the baby sleeping? Is the baby eating? Yeah. Um, and I think they're great questions to ask. They're important questions to ask. They're what your nurse asks you when they come to your door. Um, but I think there needs to be you know, more questions about, you know, how are you really? Do you need me to yes. hold your washing? Do you need me to sit with you and just have a tea? Do you need me to hold the baby? Do you need a nap? <laughs> Do you need yep. me to take you to see a psychologist because you're not feeling like your best self? You know, do you need a walk? I remember the most magnificent time was when I could just go outside for half an hour. I had a very needy son who would just breastfeed constantly and never sleep. And so sometimes I would barely be able to go out for half an hour, you know, even with expressed milk, he just wouldn't take it. Um, And I just remember those moments of going outside and walking around the block and going, wow, like this is my life now. Yeah, and and how much you really appreciate that time and you just, you think, you know, before having kids, you just have no idea. And you wouldn't um, trade it. Motherhood is the great, one of the greatest things I've ever done and it changed my perspective, you know, for me, and this isn't for everybody, but for me, I've always searched for fulfilment in external things. And it's only since having kids I've started to try and seek fulfilment within myself and within my relationship with them. You know, before I was very, let's get a career, let's go traveling, let's buy some stuff and wondering why that fulfilment was always very short-lived. And it wasn't until um, I had children, I was like, oh, wow, okay, I think I need to look at fulfilment in a different way. And I think you can get that, you know, internally and through relationships with people. And it took kids for me to realise that, you know, maybe some people can do that. Obviously, you know, you don't have to have 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 children to have that internal perspective, but that's what it took for me to have that. Oh, I resonate with that 100%. You know, kids was the steepest learning curve of my life. I was always into personal development before the kids, but certainly (laughs) when they came along, you know, it was just like, 
you guys are my greatest teachers and my mm. greatest healers. And that's where so much of my inspiration comes from and my learning comes from. Greatest having... critics as well. <laughs> that's it. But that's what you want. You know, yes. you know, the biggest thing that I love about kids is that they are just authentic, vulnerable humans and they remind yeah. us who we are. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. I kind of look at it and go, it's just it's just humans, you know, and for adults, we've got to we've really got to appreciate and be respectful of that with kids Absolutely. generally. I like the joy they, kids bring, you know, even as, yeah. a, as a high school teacher for many, many years and then having my own, you get so caught up sometimes in adulting, you know, I have to do all this serious adulting and look, adulting is serious business in terms of keeping a job and paying your bills, all that boring stuff. But kids bring an element of joy and I don't I don't think it matters what age. Um, mm -hmm. whether you know they're little or whether they're you know teenagers that I taught they remind you that you don't have to take everything seriously you can have a bit of a laugh there's joy in the world there's optimism in the world and I think keeping those kind of childlike qualities as an adult I think I think makes makes adulting a little bit easier <laughs> totally totally I think that playfulness 100 percent and, how and often I do love we play? The... like how often do we play as adults well I play a lot. I don't so know do about I. you, Danny. So I play a lot, but there are a lot of adults that don't. But it um, took me a long time to, um, you know, make sure I did that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think as kids, like you, oh, go and play, go and play, go and play. But as an adult, it's like, well, how how often do I allow myself to just do something for no purpose? You know, I think as soon as you become an adult, everything has to be purposeful you know um have to be achieving something every minute i'm breathing but that idea of of playing and i think kids have really brought that out of me because you know on the weekends you have to go let's go out on the scooters let's go rollerblading let's yeah. you know whatever yeah. it is we're doing let's go out and and play and i think i think play is another word for being present you know exactly what i was gonna say you're reading my mind Danny. that's exactly <laughs> it the more the more in play you are, the more present you yeah, are, and sure. it's a beautiful feeling. Oh, it's I so mean, great! And that's why time goes so fast. You know, when time goes so fast when you're playing, it's because you're present, and nothing yeah. is nothing is pulling at you. I often feel that I've got lots of things pulling at me. You know, and if you could draw a picture of me, there'd be lots of things pulling at me in different directions. You know, motherhood and job and podcast and what I should be doing and what I am doing and all the things. And being present, truly present, you kind of I actually visualise unhooking myself from all of these things that I should or could be doing and just being in that moment, whatever it is. Yes. And I love the energy it gives you. I mean, that's what that's what I love about it. I, I um some some months ago, like I went to uh, start washing the dishes and I, I usually have music playing when I've got the, you know, have to do the dishes. So I usually have the music playing and I have a bit of a dance as I go. And this particular night I got myself set up, music's going. And while I started washing, I could hear these big thuds in the lounge room. I could hear like thud, 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 thud. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> the floor is lava? <laughs> yeah, honestly. And so I, I was like, I turned the tap off and then I went and I peeked around into the lounge room and the kids were, they were doing run-ups down the corridor. They'd set up the mini tramp just behind the couch. So they were running down the corridor, jumping on the mini tramp and then jumping over the couch. Oh, God, they know and how so to I fun. turned and I looked at them and I was like, oh my gosh, 
that looks so fun. I'm like, I'm next, I'm next, you know, and I ran and then I kind of got in line as well and I, I had to go, it was so much fun. I'm like, when was the last time I flipped mm. my body over a couch? Yeah, right. And tripped over my own feet and yeah. almost, you know, when was the last time I did that? And it was the They last, mind you to play. Yeah, my present. son's last birthday, it was COVID and, you know, he was supposed to have a party but to cancel it. So I got a jumping castle just for him and his sister for the driveway. Oh, I love it. Because <laughs> I, I, I didn't have to pay for a party. So I thought, okay, well, here you have it. And we, the three of us, we just jumped on that castle all day long. I really felt my age by the end of the day. I was like, whoa, my knees will never be the same again. But oh. it was just that really freeing thing of like, the three of us had the jumping castle for the entire day. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love it, Danny. I love it. So look, my extraordinary mum, I mean, it just, it, it's, it beautifully describes you, right? Surely. <laughs> well, I, I hope it's a little bit, but I really wanted to describe every woman. Do you know what I mean? Like I really wanted of to be course. representative of everything that we can be you know you don't have to rock climb to be extraordinary it was just you know a quirky example of the things that you could be doing and she skinny dips and they go on you know these adventures without a map all those things but you know i also wanted to have those quieter moments as well where i leaned into the fact of emotional intelligence where it's also extraordinary to know when you need to lay on the lounge and just eat chocolate cake with your pajamas on like that's just as important as doing all those wacky things that this mum does and that's that's what I wanted to lean into as well that being extraordinary is basically doing whatever it is you need to do with the people you need to do it with you know and not being afraid to be who you are so that is you know totally the message that I wanted to recreate I love it and you have very well (laughs) very well thank you and and i i feel it it circles back around to um you know that celebration of our unique journeys and who we are definitely um, and and the liberation that comes with that and And not being afraid you know i i honestly with with anxiety i spend a lot of my life being afraid and so i force myself to say yes to things i force myself to go out of my comfort zone and although that might be hard at the time i think it's it's kind of the best thing i can do for myself to sort of tame that anxiety and so you know that's what it's about as well it's about you know leaning into the unknown leaning into fear even if it's scary and and doing that because if i don't my anxiety will own me and it's owned me before and i want to avoid that happening again yeah yeah absolutely so it's it's really as we said stepping into you know living and life and that comes from that presence yeah absolutely um, I, I'm very excited for you, Danny, my extraordinary mum. Can you also quickly mention the series? Are you allowed to mention? Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so I wrote this to brief this, this next series. It's, um, unlucky dad. And it was my publisher saying, I've always wanted a story about an unlucky dad. And I said, well, that sounds fun. Cause it's actually literally is my own dad who just always thinks he's 20 who will never retire he's always doing something wacky who i've spent honestly so much of my childhood in doctors waiting rooms listening to him get his you know shoulder back in its socket or his ankle operated on because he just played sport and you know did everything and so i thought okay this sounds like my childhood (laughs) 
tell me more. And I just said, you know, I want this dad. I don't want a hapless, hopeless dad. I'm not interested in that narrative. I'm about trying to change narratives. But what if we had this incredibly engaged, optimistic, fun, adventurous dad who just happened to have really bad luck? (laughs) And so (laughs) it's very different to my extraordinary mum where I was, you know, putting my own sort of heart on the page and I really wanted to, you know, explore that identity and motherhood and relationship with kids. This is slapstick. He still has a great relationship with his kids, so it's still got those elements of fun, optimism, adventure and that beautiful relationship between, you know, father and children. But honestly, the first one is camping and everything that could literally go wrong camping does written in rhyme because I found the humor in rhyme. The next one's fishing and my publisher actually is a proper fisherman and I had no idea about fishing. So I'm like, well, I better do my research. So I watched countless episodes of YouTube fishing fails before I I wrote it and then I presented it to him very nervously because I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he read it to his fellow fisherman friend and they spilt tea all over their lap laughing. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, I think I'm onto something here. I think I'm onto something. So different, but it was kind of really fun to write something different. You know, I am thinking of another, um, depending on how this goes, obviously, uh, another book about, you know, motherhood and identity and playing on that idea of, um, you know, what we're supposed to be versus what we want to be or who we are. Um, so I'm playing with that idea a bit, but it was really nice to take a break from that, you know, and these, these conversations are heavy, they need to be had, but they are heavy. Um, yes. And really just leaning into that, that like that, that play and that fun. And it's, it's my kids favorite book. Like they'll say, can you read Unlucky Dad again? <laughs> you know, can you read it again? What happens when he goes fishing? So, oh, that's awesome. you know, yeah, so it's just, um, I guess it's really you know, leaning into that. And I don't know if it's going to be a bit of a surprise from, you know, my extraordinary mum with all the narratives that I've got behind it, but, you know, we've just touched on play and how important that is. And so I think it sort of, it it does tie into what we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. That's out next year, isn't it? Yeah, 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 23. So I think Unlucky Dad will be out around January, the first one, and then the second one will be out in the middle of the year. So... Oh, should yay. be fun and the illustrations Congrats. can I just say the illustrations just every time you get these illustrations back you're like wow this is so much more than I could have ever imagined you know they're just phenomenal so yes yes did you get tears I had tears when I saw illustrations in I my definitely had tears with my extraordinary mum yeah. um with with the unlucky dad it was just pure joy because I'm like yes that's my dad and actually <laughs> I actually gave the illustrator a picture of my two children and said, maybe you could be inspired by these two little kids that you're drawing. And then when I got them back, I was just like, oh wow, like it was it was really special because you can you can see them in there in the little kids. Oh. So it's really cute. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Congrats, Danny. That is so amazing. It really is. And it's such an incredible journey. And as we said right at the start, you know, you're you've entered a whole new world as well. Um, which you know, it has a lot of adventurous stuff unfolding in it. So, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying, exciting, you know, and as we spoke about just I think before recording, I call it excitement fatigue. Yes, I feel that sometimes. It's a real thing. I felt that many times. It is. And, you know, I know you're very passionate about this topic as well, so thank you for leaning into that and talking to me. I mean, you know, your book Flourish was amazing as well, and I know that's been really successful. And, you know, I think that's been a bit of a passion project for you as well. So 
Um, and now we're, we're writing for, you know, you're writing for adults and I'm writing for kids. I'm trying to get them really early to lean into their identity so they'll, you know, be ready for flourish when they get a bit bigger. <laughs> oh, it's all happening. Want everyone to flourish. That's absolutely, for sure. Absolutely. That's for sure. Of all ages. <laughs> Danny, it's been amazing chatting to you as always, always. is amazing chatting to you Sonia <laughs> amazing and the time goes quickly because we have been present <laughs> we have we have for a long time <laughs> so we have we have Danny no it's been an absolute pleasure so everything is going to go amazingly with uh my extraordinary mum I know that you it's know that <laughs> yeah no definitely definitely so yeah so congrats thank you and um yeah let's continue to flourish together and continue to have this chat next time and i will lead the conversation next time we'll just keep taking turns and um but actually i felt like this is just a very natural conversation was there an interviewer in this or we were just having a chat we're having a chat (laughs) the best type (laughs) that's it best type (laughs) best type of chat thank you thank you so much thank you